Hello and welcome to Bubbly Bibbly, the podcast about books and bubbles, literature and libations, authors and alcohol. We love books and bubbly. We are friends who offer a curated book review section on our website and a hilarious podcast. We discuss books, drinks, and stories from our lives. I'm Rachel. And I am Carmen. I used the term woke with my dad once, and he got he got his usual uh, aggressive self, and he said, what is woke? I'm sick of hearing getting woke all over the place. Well, your dad is old school then, right? <laughs> he is definitely old school, and I imagine that many Americans over the age of 75 are pretty much old school. Well, what did you tell him? Um, well, because I am my father's daughter, I try not to meet him head to head. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I just t- tried to say that being woke simply means seeing another side to something or uncovering some truths and misconceptions. You know, it's uh, this this is going to be the per- perfect uh, topic to talk about getting getting woke. Well, I think it's that old adage, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, I guess. <laughs> I mean, people yes. believe what they what they have believed for a long time. And sometimes they don't even know why they believe it. And other than the fact that it's, you know, always been that way. Yes, yes, you are absolutely right. And, um, you know, like I said, since it's November, I thought we would lift the veil on Thanksgiving in the United States. Uh, This is going to be interesting because it's something that we have seen changed in schools and celebrations and holiday promotions in the last few years. So Mm -hmm. in this episode, Carmen and I are getting woke on Thanksgiving. So, I love how you say those sentences. Oh, thanks. <laughs> In this episode. Yeah. Okay, what were you going to say? Okay. This is a section where we talk about what we're eating. Eating. No, I'm already thinking about Thanksgiving. <laughs> this is a section where we talk about what we're reading and drinking. And tonight I am drinking an apple cider margarita. I know you said you were making margaritas as well, but this is a tequila, little splash of orange juice, apple cider, and half a lime. And I served it with a cinnamon stick and an apple slice. Oh, delicious and beautiful. Yes. Oh, uh, well, you know how I love to make the drink that I drink according to our topic. And since this topic is a bit bitter. Ah, see what you did there. uh Uh-huh. I decided to uh, have a pink gin, which is um, gin. In my case, it's Bombay Sapphire in a nod with what the English did to India during their colonization and several dashes of Angostura bitters, and those turned the clear gin into a pink color. And to me, that symbolizes all of the Native American blood that was spilled when the white man decided he wanted America as well. (laughs) Now I feel like I need to (laughs) radicalize my cocktail a little more. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) You, (laughs) Rachel, you you bring balance many times when I get irate. And (laughs) um, 
I, uh, so getting, getting back to the reading, I do remember that you had started Amor Tolls, A Gentleman in Moscow. Did you finish that? I did. I loved it. There are so many marks in that book. Highlight. <gasps> like You mark in your book? I highlighted it. I did. I bought these new highlighters that don't bleed. Oh, yes. they're fabulous. How, how, how could I not know this about you? So you you write and you highlight in your books. Sometimes when they're really good. I probably have only done it in like two or three books. Okay, we're going to, this is an, this is another episode. Yes, I'm it not is. Gonna, I, yeah, I'm not going to go down this, but. I love this character. I love everything. I love the little girl. I love, I love everything about this book, but yes. But I just finished The Lighthouse Witches by C.J. Cook because it was October and one of the ladies in my book club suggested it. And. And I'm, I'm so proud of you because it sounds a little scary. It. I thought it was going to be too. It was just kind of, um, it was really, it was good. Question mark. <laughs> um, it was, a, it's really about the women who were accused of being witches and being burned. And there's wildlings in it. There's missing children and then just throw in some time travel. So the main story is about a mother and her three girls who go to this remote Island off of Scotland to do this mural for a rundown lighthouse. Then woven through the storyline is this love story kind of told through a diary that was set back in the 1600s during all the witch burnings. So it like, it was kind of back and forth. It was really good. It sounds like a lot. It was a lot. And I'll tell you, it was really nice because the ending because it was so crazy, the ending had a nice little uh, wrap up. So Not, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Um, well, I uh, I went to the the coast for a, about a week for a little vacation uh, in October, and I read two books mm -hmm. during that break. I am watching you by Teresa Driscoll. I gave that four stars. And The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley. I love her. Which I gave to, well, you know, I I do too, but I have to say, I gave this two and a half stars. And depending on which Foley book you read first, The Invitation mm -hmm. List or The Hunting Party, you will like that one better because they're the same book. I, I don't even know how her editor and publisher allowed the second one to be published. They are so similar that it is offensive oh i read mm -hmm. her the paris apartment and i liked that okay i i didn't read that but okay. if it's about uh people who gather in this remote place uh to come together for an event and people start dying well that's just another hunting party and uh -huh. in, i'm watching you i mean in the hunting yeah, party it's, in, they're in very place. similar so well what are you reading right now I started a historical fiction about the relationship between Lee Miller and Man Ray called The Age of Light by Whitney Scherer. And I had heard of Man Ray from his connection with the art movement Dadaism, but that was really the extent of it. And 
the book is doing what I love about books, which is making me want to do more research. Oh, I love that doing. Yes. When a book gives you something, you're like, I don't really know that much about that. So, well, okay. Especially when it's a historical fiction like this and you just want to know more about the time and the people. And I just love it. Now, you and I were taught in school that the Pilgrims came to Plymouth Rock, became friends with the Indians, and they had a wonderful meal together, and that was the first Thanksgiving. That's right. And I always think of Snoopy and his Thanksgiving for some reason as well, (laughs) with the popcorn and toast. But the more we learn about that first meeting, the more we know it was nothing like that. As a quick Mm -hmm. history lesson... The Northeast United States, which is how we refer to it for the sake of this uh, podcast, for this understanding, was already populated with several tribes of Native Americans, so much so that the English simply came over to trade and then go home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but slavery was becoming a really profitable and booming business. And some of these traders saw the people across the ocean as perfect for this, you know, this business venture. Mm-hmm. So starting in the early 1600s, Native Americans were kidnapped and they were infected with illness they'd never experienced. They were massacred, starved, worked to death, and just so many things that caused a depopulation so severe that many tribes were completely extinguished. And it didn't stop there. The newly minted, quote unquote, Americans moved all the so-called quote unquote, Indians to the Southern United States when business was booming in the Northeast. However, gold was discovered in Georgia and in the early 1800s. So a gold reserve that the Cherokees had known about since DeSoto's visit in the 1500s was kind of rediscovered. But now the Americans were all about getting rid of the Indians so they could have all the gold themselves. And that brought the Trail of Tears, uh, which was the forced removal of what the government considered the five, and air, air quotes here, civilized tribes of Native Americans from the southern U.S. to the west. And so white settlers opened 25 million acres for themselves after the federal, state, and local give governments, with the support of our president, um, who defied a ruling by the Supreme Court against this forced relocation. And, you know, the Trail of Tears, because we live in the Southeast, the Trail of Tears comes through our area. So mm-hmm. we, it comes we through live, Alabama. Yeah, we see yes, it every year. Yes, we live in a place that the the government you know, of the people, for the people, by the people, slaughtered people to get their land. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's and it, it's just the well, trail. Of, I was going to say, basically, if the white settlers wanted it, they got it. That, I mean, that they, is, yes. 
They killed, subjugated, squashed, separated, starved, and anything else they had to do to be victorious in getting this land and gold and riches that they thought America was. And then they have the gall to paint this picture of friendship and collaboration and cooperation between basically the white devil and the Native Americans who were not even considered citizens when the Constitution was signed. You know, I'd I'd like to know who wrote that first false story of Thanksgiving. I tried to do some research and I couldn't find it. Well, they think it was most likely Edward Winslow, one of the founding Plymouth Fathers, Mm. but it was no more than a paragraph in his journal. I mean, it was really a non-event. When I researched the first Thanksgiving story that was published in a book, all that came up was the first Thanksgiving books that you read in elementary school. Mm. So you pretty much come up empty with what really happened. Well, maybe one of our listeners can find it. And that's that's a challenge from us to you, listeners. See if you can figure out how this false Thanksgiving story got started. One huge way to honor Native Americans this, this Thanksgiving is to educate our, ourselves and others about what about all the horrors of what Thanksgiving means to the people who lived then when the English settlers took over. Pictures, historical pictures, show these clean and starched white people at a table while one of the white women passes a bowl of bread Mm -hmm. to these dirty and half-naked Indians sitting on the ground. And they're reaching for the bread with smiles on their faces. Well, you know, the natives were the ones who taught the white people how to plant and grow and harvest in this new land. Like what was be what would grow and not grow. It was probably them who brought the food to the whites at the time of the harvest and to help keep the white people from starving. Mm-hmm. Not the white people giving Indians the food. Right. And, you know, I don't think it's too late or overkill to read books about the horrors that these people suffered at the hands of those people that they initially helped. And to say that this is no longer happening uh, or that it's not relevant, it's that is an incredibly naive statement. Right. Right. The United States has written, agreed to, signed and subsequently broken treaty after treaty after treaty within their Uh, the Native Americans. Did you know 350 treaties before the U.S. stopped entering into them in the late 1800s? Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised, but they're still in the courts. And the latest uh, is a ruling by the Supreme Court that the federal government and the state have concurrent jurisdiction to prosecute crimes committed by non-Indians against Indians in Indian country. Now, the, uh, that is kind of confusing, but specifically, a non-Native man was charged with criminal negligence of his five-year-old stepdaughter, who was a Native American. The state wanted to bring charges against him, but because it happened on the reservation, only tribal or federal authorities could prosecute. Mm-hmm. And from what I read on that, the man is sentenced to 35 years in prison, which that's a good outcome, but history will tell whether or not it will serve to erode that tribal sovereignty because the tribes like to keep, they like to have the rule over their their reservation and their land. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Now, uh, now that we've proven that this is still a very relevant issue, let's talk some book titles that will give a good solid foundation on this very, very complex history of Native Americans and the founding of America. Well, my first pick is by an author that you know, I know that you have read, Carmen. It's The Night Watchman by Louise Erdrich. It's a novel. It's based on Erdrich's grandfather, who was a night watchman, while also fighting every waking hour against the reneging of yet another treaty with the Chippewa Turtle Mountain Tribe in North Dakota. It depicts a real view into life in the 1950s, when it was the golden age for, you know, white Americans. But Jim Crow laws for blacks, determination of rights of Native Americans were all over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not quite the golden age for anyone else other than than white people. Uh, And, you know, Louise Erdrich is a must read author, in my opinion. Um, Our November newsletter spotlights her as the November author of the month. So be sure to read it for her background and a few of her suggested titles. My uh, pick is uh, along these lines. It's a young adult book. Uh, It's called Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bowie. And the protagonist... That's a good book. Have you read it? I have it to read. I've seen, like, I can't wait to read it. It's on my TBR list. Oh, good, good, good. Well, the protagonist is a young woman who is a biracial, unenrolled member of the Ojibwe... Ojibwe, I hope I'm saying that right, a a tribe in Michigan. And she doesn't feel as if she fits in either of her worlds. And there's a family tragedy and she is spun into the role of what the author called, I love this, an indigenous Nancy Drew to help solve it. (laughs) It sounds like the perfect read to get historical facts about the Ojibwe Uh, some cultural traits of growing up different in America and then tie it together with some good old fashioned sleuthing. I love that. I'm so glad it's on my list. It has a beautiful cover as well. So if you look it up, um, add it to your TBR list. When we come back, Carmen and I are going to explore even more titles for you. There, There by Tommy Orange is the next on my list. It's about 12 characters from Native communities, all traveling to the big Oakland powwow. As they get closer to the powwow, you realize that they're all connected to one another in like various ways. This is a novel that deals with what it's like to be Native American today in urban American, what it means, the opportunities, what's what's out there for them, how to treat others. It's another one I know that you've read, Carmen, and I'm anxious to get yeah, to this it is, as well. Um, this is one that I read during my intentional reading when I was uh, reading about different cultures by uh, by those authors. And there are aspects of this book that I still think about. And most specifically, the occupation of Alcatraz by Native Americans in 1969. Uh, I highly recommend this book. Uh, my next one is Elatsoe by Darcy Little Badger. It's another young adult title, mm. and it has some strong fantasy aspects, but it's about a Lippon 
Apache teen who investigates the death of her cousin, and she's helped by her ghost dog, Herbie. I, I just loved that. She's trying hmm. to seek justice for a cousin. Um, and, you know, in everywhere she turns, the, the world seems stacked against her. So the reviews of this book say that it's nothing like anything they've ever read. And I am very excited to add this to my list and to present it to, to you guys for inclusion. The next title I have for you is actually a series. It's the Leaphorn and Chi series by Tony Hillerman, taken over by his daughter, Ann Hillerman, after his death. The books focus on Lieutenant Joe Leaphorn and Jim Chi, Navajo tribal police officers in the Southwest USA. The author was a German-American, but was born and raised in Sacred Heart, Oklahoma, with Potawatomi children. That gives him a very unique perspective. Oh, that sounds good. Um, my next title is from the first Native American to be named a U.S. Poet Laureate, Joe Harjo. Now, she is of the Muscogee Creek Nation and has stated that she's not trying to bring her culture into her writing, but it's the other way around. And I love that. You know, her right. Oh, yeah. Uh, the culture seeks her and draws her into it. And she conveys her heritage with all of its highs and lows through poetry. And it's all very highly rated. So any title that you find by Harjo really should be added to your collection. Oh, cool. I feel like we have come across some really great titles here. And for you fantasy genre lovers, I have a great one for you. Black Sun by Rebecca Roan Horse. It's the first book in her Between Earth and Sky trilogy, and it's inspired by civilizations of pre-Columbian Americas. It's all about celestial prophecies, political intrigue, forbidden magic. My favorite review on Goodreads says it's a heady epic and an intimate portrait of people racked with the wounds of generational trauma of unbelonging. I love that word of being an outsider in a land that cradles you with one arm and pushes you away with the other. Wow. That is a great review. Isn't that really oh neat? Oh my gosh. Well, let's suffice it to say there are a lot of titles by and about Native Americans because we have not even scratched the surface. But I do hope you have added at least a few of these titles to your TBR list. And uh, you may have more, which we want to know about. That's right. Because of time, we have to cut this one short. But do us a solid and let us know which Native American themed titles or authors you guys recommend. And the sound of our cheering fans means it's time for listener comments. As we come off Band Books Month, be sure to post a picture or drop a comment on which band books you read this year. And many thanks to Miranda for commenting that she loved the October newsletter. I really enjoyed the theme uh, of October being National Cookbook Month. And Danielle shared a funny photo of a book vending machine where all the books were wrapped like in craft paper so you didn't know what the titles were. <laughs> and it was called The Ultimate Blind Date. Thanks for sharing, Danielle. 
Let us know what you think of intentionally reading titles by and about Native Americans this Thanksgiving season. And again, share some titles with us. There is a real spotlight right now on intentionally reading in order to see, feel, and understand different cultures and beliefs and ways of life. Rachel and I are all about that, and we want to know what you are reading. Check us out on all our social media pages and be sure to continue to like, share, comment, on the posts that you guys see. And don't forget our Patreon offerings. For some reason, we're not adding members like we'd like to. So go to patreon.com and check out the subscriber levels. Chief Seattle said in 1854, humankind has not woven the web of life, but we are one thread within it. Whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. All things are bound together. All things connect.